Marini's Media. There is only one topic in town. After the rest of the league forfeit their positions, we're on Southend United's open top bus parade. April Fools. This is Totally Football League Show. Too soon? I'm Caroline Barker. But who's the daddy? He's the daddy. In honour of Sam Parkin's best delivery yet, let's bring in the team. Probably wishing he'd had a couple less children after homeschooling hit home this week. It's come to Papa Adrian Clark. Hello, Caroline. Yeah, I've got less spare time right now than I've ever had. It's crazy, really, uh, when everyone else seems to be sort of twiddling their thumbs. But look, it's all good fun. How long do you do the big analysis on on the kids' performance at home? Has it turned to that yet? <laughs> oh, it won't be pretty when I do, let me tell you. <laughs> Talking of pretty, he shoots, he scores. That now sounds all kinds of wrong. For the big papa, Sam Parkin. Morning, Caroline. How are you doing? Should we explain what's happened? You've had a baby, Rodney. Congratulations. Thank you, yeah. My first boy. I think reality's sunk in now. Absolutely incredible couple of days our girlfriend was sensational she's just devastated that he is an absolute ringer for me it is incredible <laughs> it is just me when I was a baby all babies are an absolute ringer for you a little bit yeah I looked like an old man when I was born and there's a little bit of that going on as well so um yeah he's <laughs> he's definitely uh, his father's boy but now we're absolutely thrilled and um yeah really looking forward to the next few weeks yeah, well done to the lovely Louise and the Thank brilliant you. Sydney as well. And you did all right too, Sam. Uh, we will school you over the next few weeks in, in how to be a good father as well. Any tips, Adrian? Uh, any tips? <laughs> oh, so many tips. Yeah, too, too many to explain here, I'm afraid. How would you rate your own performance, Sam, in the delivery suite? Just interested. Uh, mate, I, I tried so hard because a lot of, uh, you know, our relationship it is about me. <laughs> um, I tried to just not mention anything anything about how I was feeling at any stage but I was really concerned that I was going to go down and fall over and faint because I'm very squeamish but tactically for you Adrian because you are the tactical master I got it spot on positional wise and I just went just went over kind of towards the delivery at the end and uh, and saw him come out which was sensational but yeah pretty chuffed that I didn't embarrass myself in front of um, the NHS staff who've got more important things to worry about than me banging my head. Well done, mate. Too right. Well done, Louise. Well done, Sam. Hello, Sydney. Right, that's uh, our love affair with Sam's new child out the way for a moment. Let's talk about, still clearly, clearly on everyone's lips, what's happening with coronavirus and what's happening with different leagues. The Premier League, um, English Football League, I don't know if you've seen this today as well, in the past hour or so, the Football Supporters Association and the FA have brought out a statement talking about as fans collectively being together. And there is a, a collective discussion happening later today, Wednesday, as we record this, between the PFA and the Premier League and the EFL over a collective wage deferral agreement. Football then suspended until April the 30th at the earliest. And this is about the costs and who covers the costs within football. I don't know. We briefly have had this discussion before, Adrian, about where the players should be in all of this. Clearly owners, agents, everyone's, if you want to put blame on it, at fault for their wages. And if you're a player, you're going to take them, aren't you? At what stage are we at now, though, when we're seeing that the PR move go against clubs? And I think rightly so, in that that staff around the clubs are taking are being furloughed or having wage cuts and the players and those perhaps at the top aren't. It's beginning to annoy me. It's beginning to really grate. And I think that that football right now, across the board, have hit an own goal. I think there's a great opportunity. And and I would I would I don't like to level this at players. And I'm not talking about players that are earning five hundred quid a week for a League Two club or whatnot. No. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm talking about top flight players, championship players. I don't know, anyone over, earning over, you know, goodness me, anyone over earning over £500,000 a week can afford to take a hit here and to either defer or sacrifice a portion of their salary for the greater good. And, and, and I understand that Gordon Taylor has a union to run and I understand that his primary role is to protect players. But when we're seeing clubs lay off staff, when we're seeing clubs, for, you know, furlough employees, make them redundant, 
and the players are sitting there earning top whack for doing nothing for training in their gyms, then it, mm. it just feels wrong. And I, I feel a 10 or 15% sacrifice that goes into a pot that helps out those less fortunate than themselves down the pyramid would go an awful long way to alleviating the problem. And I think the PFA and the players need to step up here and make a stand. It's it, it, The longer this goes on, the, the, the worse they're making themselves themselves look, I'm afraid. It's morally wrong, isn't it, Sam? Yeah, it's really difficult to disagree with anything that Adrian's um, just said. I think when it gets to the, the stage where the staff are having to come away from, from, from work and use the, the government funds. I always speak about my period at, at Luton Town when we had horrendous uh, difficulties, financial difficulties, weren't getting paid, bailed out by the PFA. And during that period, some players you could probably label as being selfish because the club was being mismanaged from the top and players want their contracts paid in full and want to be, um, that you know, those, the, those contracts honoured. I think the severity of the situation now obviously is a worldwide issue it's a huge global problem you just think that the players would all be on board right now to Mm. do something collective something good and it's hard to to manage and it's hard to 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 police because of the disparity between wages even at at clubs and uh, across divisions but as Adrian just pointed out just a percentage so you know the top earners they're losing a fair chunk, 10%, 15%. And those guys that aren't earning big money further down the food chain in the championship or whatever aren't losing thousands of thousands of pounds but are contributing and, and helping the others that are all being hugely affected. I mean, there's, mm. I wouldn't say there's big pressure, but there's been a lot of articles written in the last 24 hours, you know, pointing fingers of blame at Premier League chairman. And that's only going to snowball effect to clubs further down the Premier League and into the Championship who have got big budgets and have spent big money. It's wrong. It's wrong. Leeds, by the way, well done to them. They've already taken wage deferrals. Uh, Forest Green Rovers, I was hearing Dale Vince talk about the fact that, that all his staff, that including the players, have been furloughed So for, for a couple of weeks now. He talks about putting their club into hibernation for a couple of weeks and, and they were probably the first club to do that as well. One other little bit of news, I guess, the the National League, of which I am an independent director, announced that they've suspended the league indefinitely. The, the key piece in all of the statement that came out yesterday was, I think, personally, that they're going to let the clubs make the final decision. So a question will be put to the clubs about how they end the season uh, with regards to, to what's happened, that particular question will be put to the clubs and they'll get to make a decision as a whole rather than just those nominated within the board moving forward. There's been lots of talk about whether they're going to null and void the the season. From my perspective, from all that I've heard, that is the last thing on the minds, at least of the National League board, and the clubs will be consulted. I think there's been a, a little bit, perhaps a little bit of confusion when the National League system, which is separate to the National League, so that's those non-league clubs below those levels have been null and void. And we've seen the reaction from clubs signing a, a petition, even the likes of Leighton Orient have got involved with that. And they've sent that to the Department of Culture, Media and Sports. That is completely separate to the National League as in the National League, National North and National South. And it will go back to the clubs um, once the question is, is put to them as to how they end the league. But, but Adrian, just briefly on, on that, and clearly there's a lot that's gone on in the board meetings that I can't talk about, but just for any of those listening, the league are absolutely consulting the clubs and this is the way they want to take it forward, which I wholeheartedly agree with. But they're in this, this invidious position in so much that if you go and wipe out what they're not going to do, but if you were to wipe out the the results from this season, if the EFL still go and play a few games, then what do you do about relegation from League Two and promotion from the National? You can't cut that element of the league off so they have to balance up what's happening between the EFL as well and take that well, I think the EFL and the and the National League should be joining forces here I mean they're talking they are talking yeah it's known as the fifth division isn't it and and there is a synergy between them two up two down I think they need to be on the same page I, d- I don't see what the rush is that's my no. initial reaction what why force the clubs even now 
to make a make a call on it. Let's see if if there is a fund generated to help out. Let's see if putting clubs into hibernation like Forest Green, Cambridge United. I know I've done the same. Others others will follow with the furlough of of their employees. You know, clubs down the pyramid can do the same. I hope, and yeah. and and thereby we all just pick up together whenever it's safe and and right to do so. If that means waiting until the autumn. So be it, and and look from steps from those further steps down the down the pyramid. Let's hope that that does not get ratified by the FA Council because scant regard for the efforts of of thousands of players and, and managers and, and and fans as well up and down the country to just call it off. I, th- I thought that was way too premature. Those are the headlines. Then a little bit of insight too from us at the Totally Show. If you want to be part of it too, we're off to the Championship next. You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Right, into the Championship and Bristol City manager Lee Johnson says that if the season gets underway again, it'll feel like a tournament with the games coming thick and fast. I wonder how much the managers will be in favour of that. Bang, 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 bang. Charlton continue to squabble with their majority shareholder coming out on Tuesday saying that he's not looking to sell the club. We'll have a bit more on that in just a moment. And QPR say they're close to the edge with Celez saying that the club are at risk of undoing all the good work they've been doing to get back on track. Finances clearly hitting a lot of clubs in the championship as well then. But one big area of the Football League coverage that we've relied on as journalists and as fans has been local papers. They are at every press conference. They know every spit and cough, which is probably the wrong and right phrase at the moment of what's going on. They've also taken a huge hit with the coronavirus. Richard Corley is sports editor at the South London Press and he's been put on furlough leave from today. Wednesday, as we record this. Well, let's start with what's happening to you. When did you find out? What's it all going to mean? Well, there was a bit of talk about uh, being put on furlough leave, probably the back of last week or middle of last week, I think, and a decision was taken that obviously the most important thing was to try and keep the South London press running in the in the in the sort of this period. I guess it's pretty clear for most people to see that that sport has has gone on the back burner as you'd expect at this kind of point in time um, in the country. I think the priority was to make sure that the paper was covering the news stories that obviously are going to hugely affect the community that and, and areas that we cover. So um, I kind of knew that there was a chance that I was going to be placed on furlough leave. And um, that was kind of confirmed sort of back in the last week that from April the 1st, I wouldn't be uh, working for a period of time. And um, it's one of those things, I guess. I mean, the, the most important thing is, A, people's health and, and, and safety. And secondly, uh, obviously, I've worked for the South London Press, had two spells there, went back there in 2007. So, um, you know, I really care about the paper and sort of proud of what we do. So um, the most important thing really was that the paper was in the best place possible to try and emerge out the other side of this because, as everyone knows, sort of local media is... It's, it's it's not exactly been an industry that's um, found it particularly easy in recent in recent times, and uh, we've seen so many businesses that will struggle right across the board. And it's it's come, and I echo everything you've just said, but it, it's come, I guess, for you professionally at a time when local papers, local journalists, are needed more than ever. With particularly what's going on with Charlton. Yeah, I mean, the Charlton one is something that it's uh, almost a bit of a soap opera. I know the fans probably wouldn't want it to be that way, but um, Charlton is kind of the, uh, from a a journalist viewpoint, I suppose you would say it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving because it's pretty much relentless. There's development after development. I mean, it's actually, over the weekend, it was surprisingly quiet uh, because there wasn't really too much about. I worked... I worked um, yes. I worked uh, Monday and Tuesday before I, before I was furloughed, and um, there wasn't really there wasn't really a lot out there in terms of taking the story forward, which is rare because, as you say, it's a it's a big issue. I think I think the situation there is as if you're Tanu Namir, I think you've been helped by the fact that there hasn't been football because I think with Charlton dropping into the bottom three, if the football had carried on, results hadn't picked up. The question, all the stuff that played out, I think would have played out as well. It would have been an unbelievable sort of storm. But I think there were some people, even probably Charlton fans, and I, I looked on a message board the other day, where some fans are saying, 
I am concerned about the football club, but I've got to admit, I'm not so worried now and I'm, I'm not reading it so much. I'm not taking in everything about it because they obviously themselves feel that there are other things that are distractions and other focuses. Is, so it, I think is that some... worrying for the club then in, in that? Because we need journalists to be asking the questions. We need the fans almost to be focusing on it. it, it good as you say, for, for the owner, yeah. I guess, or for the owners and perspective and wherever we are, that the heat's taken off them a bit. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, and that's the thing. That's, that's, the, that's the thing that's been quite amazing with all this. I mean, if we look at it, if we look at it for what it is at the moment, Tanun Namir has said that he is going to put funds in in, uh, you know, in April. That's been the situation since January. Early January, um, there was talk, there was money that was going to go in. Uh, we're, we're back to where we were before with the, the EFL wanting um, the source of the funds and the sufficiency. Obviously, it has to be deposited into an account that the club can access. They've got to be happy where the money's come from or, or you know, how it's been, uh, yeah, where, where, where it's basically the sort of line of where that's come from. Now, the one thing I would say with this, with the EFL, is I cannot understand how you can let somebody pass directors and owners tests and effectively run the football club. Now, privately, the EFL have said to me, we realise the system isn't perfect. We are going to address that at our next AGM. But the problem with that is I don't understand why it was ever there in the first place. And the other issue I would say with the EFL, and I kind of get their side a bit, is they say we cannot discuss individual clubs cases and and what's happening there obviously they released a statement a while back when everything was kind of beginning to heat up then it's gone quiet from them and I think there's a feeling amongst staff there that this is just kind of kicking the can down the road and it's it's allowing more time for the questions not to be answered about Mm. him putting investment in and Uh, this is big because there are so many question marks about where the club goes from here Rich, I am sure, as sure as eggs is eggs, that uh, by the time that we all get through this, somewhere or other, it will still be rumbling on at, at Charlton. And, <laughs> yeah. and fingers crossed, fingers crossed, it turns, at least for the fans too. Rich, I know you're going to get some DIY on yeah. and doing. Yeah. That'll keep you occupied. Uh, but as always, it's a, it's a real pleasure to talk to you. And we wish you and your family all the best of luck. And thank you for coming on. Best to you as well, Caroline. Thanks very much. Rich Corley. And thank you to all the local journalists, paper, radio in a similar situation as Rich for what you've done so far this season and previously and what you continue to do. We look forward to buying your papers, turning on the radio, listening to you again and reading your words again soon. Sam Parkin and Adrian Clark still with me. We haven't heard from baby Sydney yet in the background. I'm hoping a cameo appearance is on the way. Maybe he'll have some insight into our team of the season championship edition. Last week, then, with Matt, you did the midfield. Uh, there's only been three disagreements out of eight players, which is impressive so far. Team so far, then, Samba, Adrian's backline, Ailing White, Pinnock and Pedersen, Sam's Cash, White, Jay and Brian. You then agreed, didn't you, on midfield last week? So hopefully we'll get disagreement this week. Pereira, Phillips and Easy. So that leaves us with the front three. Are you in agreement with each other? Let's see, shall we? Sam, who are you going for, then, up top? I'll start with the one player who's kind of out of position out of the whole team, really. I say that it's his previous role at Brentford and it's Ollie Watkins, who I'm going to put on the right-hand side. He's obviously been playing as a striker this year, but completely warrants his selection. Had a year with him at Exeter when I was coming towards the end. He actually went out to Western Supermare on loan that year, not too many years ago so his trajectory has been very impressive 22 goals three assists going to be a Premier League player 100% and a lovely boy as well and invariably they are you know those lads from Exeter's Academy they're schooled in their football of course by some very good people that have been there over the last few years but also a good good people as well and uh, very well mannered um, there's a whole host of chaps I could mention now, but Ollie certainly ticks all those boxes. And I said a lot early part of the season, he's got it in his armory to be a striker. It's whether he wants to do it or if he's going to sulk and his body language and his attitude's not going to be right. Well, he's answered my queries emphatically. And one stat, eight headers he scored this season, more than Mitrovic already. And uh, he only had seven headed goals previously in his career. So I think that's just shown the amount of work he's been doing on the training ground to make him into a number nine. Do you agree, Adrian? Mm. Well, um, 
can't disagree with any of that. He's been sensational. Um, yeah, player but, I've, I've sort of kept tabs on. But no, look, we have to make hard decisions sometimes in football management, don't you, Caroline? And <laughs> and I've had to make a really difficult call here and leave. Ollie Watkins out of my championship team of the season. Not nah. because he, not because he hasn't been brilliant, but because I've only got room for one striker and 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 I, I respect the fact that Sam's crowbarred him in on the right hand side. But he hasn't played there. So not this season really. He's been almost exclusively a striker. And I've only got room for one striker in my four three three. So so he misses out. Honourable mention to Jed Wallace. From brilliant down that right hand side, mainly ten goals, nine assists. Andre Ayew too for for a Swansea side, twelve goals, five assists. But but for me, the standout right winger this season has been Brian Mabreno. Fourteen goals, six assists. He's twenty. What a find he was from French football. A calm finisher, lovely left foot. And what I've admired about Mabreno is the, the the breadth of goals that he scores. He he too. Gets tap-ins inside the box. He gets the odd header, can score from long distance. He's even on some of the free kicks. Quick player as well, well suited to, to playing on the counter. So, so yeah, look, it's, it's, it's harsh on, on Watkins, but the best player in his position, in my opinion, on the right has been has been Umbrano. So, so he makes my team. So who have you stuck on the left then, Adrian? I, I suspect we agree on this one. Um, so Ben Rama has to play. There's a lot of flair in our team already with Eze and Mateus Pereira. And we're just going to add to it here. I am anyway um, with Ben Rama. I can't leave him out. Joy to watch. Um, we know how skillful he is, how he can unlock the door. He pops up in the box as well to score goals as well as the, as the sort of picture postcard efforts. I mean, this is a guy that... He's definitely good enough for the Premier League. Look, and Bremer, by the way, what a future he's got. I think I think he 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 can go to the top. I, I happen to think he could could end up a striker as well. Ben Rama is is a bit of Mares about him, um, so he he's my left winger. Ben Rama on the left for you, Sam. Of course, yeah. No, I've lo- loved watching him the last couple of seasons. He he was a bit slow to get going this year, but. He's had a similar impact on the Brentford side as he did last year, you know, involved in, in 17 goals. Uh, again, second most dribbles in, in the league. You you expect that and doesn't half have a lot of shots as well. He's the third most in terms of the average per game. So he has a huge influence um, in the final third. And I think he's the, the, the most creative one. He's the one that's most liable to get the assists. Uh, out of my front three. So you kind of need him in there to be a supplier as well as a finisher. And Adrian's quite right. I mean, the, the two that are very unlucky to miss out in the, the wide positions for, in my team is Wallace at, at Millwall, who I had in my team pre-Xmas, but he's just dropped off a little bit and actually given away a few goals as well by being a bit loose in possession. And, and waymo has been absolutely brilliant, but I wanted the showman across my lineup, and that's why Ben Rama gets in and Watkins gets in in front of him. Is the ultimate showman up top for you then, Sam? Probably not, <laughs> to completely Whoa. contradict myself. Um, but yeah, the obvious one, but I wouldn't call him a showman. But yeah, I mean, Alexander Mitrovic, yeah. uh, what he's doing playing in the division, I don't know, just huge credit to whoever was in the boardroom when they agreed at Fulham for Kearney and Mitrovic to stay for this season. I mean, the effect he has on that team... I, is enormous and I can't think of anyone really to be comparable. Maybe Bowen at, at uh, Hull and maybe Lyle Taylor at Charlton, but he's just the reason why Fulham are still in with a shout. If we resume, seven winning goals as well. I mean, thinking back to my heyday glory years, those three years at Swindon, you wouldn't be getting anywhere near those numbers, I, I wouldn't imagine. Seven winning goals just shows you how yeah. important he's been to them. Mm. Yeah, so he's got, he got 44% as well of, of Fulham's goals this season. So that outlines his importance uh, right there. And then, um, yeah, he has to he has to be the spearheader of this team. One, one player we haven't mentioned, who I think we probably should, is is Carlin Grant. 16 goals in a, in a very average Huddersfield Town side this season. I think it's a terrific achievement from him so um yeah he, he he didn't come close to usurping Mitrovic but but he's definitely had a great year well that of course a lot down to as well the the Cowleys and what they've done although he's performed before they walked through those doors too mentioning the managers and Danny Cowley who I will Cowley 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 over and <laughs> over again we will choose the, the managers next week we'll put those on 
hold. So just then to remind people who you've all gone for, Sam, you've gone for Watkins, Mitrovic and Ben Rama. And you both agree on Mitrovic and Ben Rama, but you've gone for Mueno disagreeing on that right hand side. You happy with your team so far? <laughs> I'm happy. Yeah, look, <laughs> Sam's Sam's made the mistake that every England manager is, or, or past England managers have made. Play, you know, fitting players into positions they're not playing. I'm not not having it. I'm not having it. You got you know what? I've got. <laughs> this is completely by chance, but um, oh, I'm going to crumble now that I was going to give you the statistic. But I think I've got two from all the top five teams. Mm, so there's a okay. nice synergy nice uh, balance, uh, yeah. about it. And, you know, they they deserve to be recognised for being the, the best side. Yeah, it'd be well, interesting to see, see who would win the game. I've got two from the top five <laughs> and I've got Eze. So it is perfect because I've got my little QPR taste in there as well. <laughs> oh, you're right, Adrian. It would be interesting who would win out of these two. Maybe we'll throw it out to the good people that listen to the Totally Football Show at the Totally Show on social media. Let us know who you think would win out of those two teams. Uh, we will put them back up on social media. So we'll tweet it to see who you think is the best team. And next week, next week, we'll decide it's not going to be Adrian or Sam who manages this side. If you want to read more about Championship Action, then ho- head over even to the Totally Football Show show.com nick miller is compiling every championship second tier playoff final ever so since 1987 and writing magical things about all of them so that's over on the totally football show.com championship complete then next up it's league one and sunderland till i die get great offers every day with william hill join today and get 30 pounds in free bets when you bet 10 pounds using the promo code c30 whether you like great prices, free bets, or in-play scoreboards, William Hill has you covered. William Hill is who you play with. Promo code C30. New online customers only. Minimum £10 stake. Win only. Minimum odds 1 to 2. Free bets paid as free £10 bets. 30-day expiry. Free bet payment method player and country restrictions apply. Right, into League One then and only one place to start. We have been waiting for an eternity for Sunderland Till I Die Season 2 to start and it's here. You can hear by the noise in the background. Leo Perlman, executive producer, joins us. Hi, Leo. Hello, guys. How are you? Very well. How are you, more's the point? I'm I'm fine. Doing okay. Balancing work and homeschooling for my kids, you know. same, same, Same problems everyone's got. Was it a bit like giving birth this morning when you saw Sunderland Till I Die Season 2 going up? Um, I, I was in a bit like giving birth. That's a great question. I don't, I don't know. Uh, it was interesting. You know, you're always excited to see, excited slash worried to see the comments from, uh, from, from people who are watching it, uh, eagerly waiting for 8am for the episodes to drop. So yeah, it was, it was nice. It was nice. Sam, you eagerly waited to 8am and watched it this morning, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, I loved the first series and, um, my girlfriend's mother is actually a Mackham as well. So very excited about uh, the prospect of uh, binging on, on Netflix the, the coming days and, and weeks. Um, Leo, having been a player, I just, I'm just interested on the training ground and, and when you're in the dressing room, did you face much opposition from the players in particular or any staff members that you could be a little bit intrusive at times or were they all pretty okay uh, with it? I think there was quite an obvious divide actually between some of the older players and the younger ones. I think that the younger generation of players are very used to seeing, uh, certainly if they watch American sports, for example, are very used to seeing these kind of access docs or access series. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they understand the inherent value of them to, their, to, to, to themselves. To, you know, I don't want to turn it into something that sounds entirely commercial, but they understand the importance of it to their own brand, I guess you would say. There's definitely a group of older, older pros who treat a football club as an inner sanctum and there should be, you know, complete shutdown and, and, and nothing should escape, you know, whatever goes on on the training ground or in the dressing room stays there. Um, and I actually think that, that you know, we, we encountered that problem, but we spoke regularly to the players and made sure that they understood what we were trying to achieve for the good, for their own good, but also for the good of the club. Um, in terms of people within the club itself... Uh, the manager, Jack Ross, was certainly not comfortable with the idea of cameras being around the whole time. N- neither was you know, Simon Grayson or, or Chris Coleman before him. Uh, and that's, that's a challenge, and we had to deal with it throughout. But I would also say that, you know, as with anything in life, when things are going well, then people seem to find less to complain about. When things start to go slightly worse, then remarkably, 
Uh, and as if by some crazy coincidence, people look for, for outside reasons for why things are going wrong. Leo, a- absolutely nothing that you just said there surprises me. That that completely rings true. I had an experience, actually. When I was playing for Stevenage a number of years ago, there, there was talk of a programme uh, airing called You're the Manager, and it was, it was a crazy idea where it was almost like the club would become sl- slightly interactive um, right. and it would be a cross between Made in Chelsea and, and I don't know I think know I what, remember yeah. that. I think I remember that idea doing the rounds, yeah. It was, well, it, was, it came very close, let me tell you. And, and the older players, of which I was one, was not keen. The younger yeah. players were, were really, really up for it. Now, Why weren't you keen, Adrian? They wanted to go home. They wanted to 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 bring cameras into into our homes right, and stuff right. and make it a little bit. And I think they'd, they'd yeah they'd eyed me up as, as some kind of posh and Bex type scenario at home, which was so far from the truth. <laughs> it was ridiculous. But the reason I bring this up is is because our manager at the time, Paul Fairclough, was was very very on board with it. And we filmed a pilot, and in it he he came up with a, a storyline, so to speak, where where I needed geeing up, and he definitely acted up to the cameras he even slapped me in uh, on camera to try and get me going before a game did you encounter any of the players any of the staff playing up and would you have sort of said anything to them about that afterwards well I think you think it was the opposite most most people were so afraid of being shown in their true light wrongly I absolutely have to say were so afraid of it that they that they kind of downplayed it I think there's a natural position that most people in in football and in sport resort to which is that kind of sky sports answer um, that no one is remotely interested in and we made it very clear to them from the start that if they take that position with us throughout the series then it's a really good way of not being featured and that's fine if that's what they want but those that embraced it and those that uh, were just natural in themselves then you know would probably end up uh, being being a key part of it what people don't realise when they take these positions early on in a process like this is that the cameras are there the whole time. So you can only fake it for so long. Eventually, when you're very high or very low, your true character is going to come across. Uh, and that's all we ever really wanted from people. So um, I don't think it was a case of telling people that they were performing or, or the opposite or the opposite for the cameras. I think it was more a case of just making them feel as comfortable as possible with us being around. Uh, and then relying on the fact that they, 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 you know, forget that we were there effectively. Uh, so many highlights in this, uh, characters being one of them. Charlie Methan, the uh, mm. PR guy. We were chatting about this earlier. I don't know if you've seen Bob Mortimer's train guy um, that he's been doing on social media, but he comes across as someone that the, the camera's just attracted to. And and early on, both he and, and Stuart Donald, the new era starting as well, uh, yeah. The fans seem very much on on board, but again, seeing this change throughout the season, I take it. Yeah, listen, when Charlie and Stuart came in, and let's be clear, you know, Sunderland Football Club was was rotten to its core. It had had ten years of ownership from Ellis, which you know, again, started out in the right manner, but for quite a number of years, I would argue four or five, had been disastrous. And certainly for the last two years of his tenure, he was an owner in absentia, and it was a rudderless ship, pretty much. People, were, people felt that. You know, the city of Sunderland felt like the club itself had lost its soul, had lost its heart. So when Stuart and Charlie came in, they needed to do something dramatic. And they announced it day one. They said, we're going to be the most transparent, open and honest owners of a football club ever. And they completely delivered on that. And they delivered on, on that for us for the cameras. And what I would say is that they are exactly the same on and off camera. And I find it very hard to criticise someone whether they make mistakes or not, and I'll be clear, they both made mistakes and they would say the same themselves, uh, as long as they're doing it with honesty and with the best intentions, then who are we to criticise? It is kind of my position both as a fan and as a filmmaker. And, and so, yeah, the cameras are naturally attracted to both of them. Charlie, I guess, more so because he was living in Sunderland, he was there every day, and he was the face of that change. Uh, and then the public, the, the city of Sunderland, responded to that. You know, the, the, the dramatic change from the Ellis tenure where you, you couldn't find out anything that was going on at the club whatsoever to the manner in which Charlie and Stuart interacted with the fans through the, through the chat rooms, through interviews, through the podcasts, etc. Was, was pretty amazing, to be honest. Yeah, they, I mean, they both come across really well, really well. Obviously, just the, the early stages of it. We said there'll, there'll be ups and downs, I'm sure, throughout. But is that, <laughs> is that it now, Leo? Have you, were you filming 
this season, that's it, isn't it? We weren't filming this season, and there's a good reason for it. I, I, I'm surprised we, we did a second season, in truth. I'm very glad we did. But when we were coming to the end of the first season and relegation was assured, uh, we discussed it internally at Fullwell, and we said, look, you know, nothing's going to change. If Ellis owns the club and Martin is still there as chief exec, why would we go back and film next season? It's going to be more of the same. Stuart and Charlie then came in. They took over. We beat Wolves 3-0 um, in the last home game of the season. To, uh, that was you know, the, the relegation from the championship year. And suddenly it felt like there was justification to come back and do another season. Same thing happened last season. We came to the end of the season. Charlie and Stuart were looking to sell the club but hadn't found a buyer it didn't look like much was going to change. And so from a creative perspective, we said, well, you know, there's no justification to come back again. But never say never. I would like nothing more than a third and final season that gave us all a happy ending. The problem being that football, and in particular Sunderland, never ever guarantees a happy ending. (laughs) Well, surely, surely it's got to be you uh, as the Knights in shining (laughs) armour coming through and buying the club, right? (laughs) That's a, that's a lovely idea. And if you can lend me the money, I'd be all over it. No problem. Well dodged. Well dodged. <laughs> hey, uh, it's, been, it's been a joy having you on. And honestly, Absolute watching that, that, that first this morning as well, it's one that we'll all be watching too and enjoying that ride with you, uh, the highs and the lows. Were there, were there tears in that final edit? I mean, we almost drowned. Oh, watching, no. watching, your club, watching your club lose in the final minute against Charlton of all people, and let's be honest, against Lee Bowyer of all people, is pretty tough. Watching it 130-odd times in an edit is, is, is unbearable. Uh, so, no, it was, it, was, it was tough. It was definitely a tough one. Well, you've got to come back for the happy times. You've got to come back for those. Leo, thank you so much for coming on the show. <laughs> no problem at all. Thank you for having me. Leo Perlman, Sunderland Till I Die exec producer. There's, there's a lot of lovely little bits, even in that first episode that, that we've not really spoken about. But as the series goes on, Sam, there's, there's chat about Luke O'Neill and him aiming to play in the, the Premier League. Do you look at him? You and I have been up to, to watch him, haven't we? We went, went to a game before everything happened, of course. Do you look at him and think, right, he's, he's one of those players that has got that quality? Yeah, I do. I think he's got a brilliant temperament, uh, which is the first thing. And, and maybe I say that because he's not a player who stands out for his flair uh, and his trickery. Uh, but having nailed down a position on the right-hand side uh, this year as, as a wing-back, he's been one of the, the shining lights, absolutely, uh, in everything he does. And he can play so many different positions and he always gives a consistent performance. So he's definitely one I could see going on and, and not being phased by a higher level and probably going on again and getting into the top flight and, and doing a good job. Maybe not in a top four, top six side, but I could see him going and being a consistent performer at a very high level. Um, I think he's a, he's, a, he's been an outstanding in a, in a pretty average season again for Sunderland if it was to, to end tomorrow. That is Sunderland Till I Die, done and dusted. A couple of other lines from League One for you. Bristol Rovers have announced debts of £24 million, uh, but their president has said that, that he will protect the club. And Bolton have placed a number of staff on furlough with senior management taking pay cuts to help. Just briefly on that, Adrian, there, there are probably a number of clubs that haven't announced it yet, but they have gone down the, the furlough route too. It, it seemingly, I know we've had a, a long discussion about it, but probably going to see all of them take the plunge that way and it might be the, the fairest way to do it. I think so. Yeah, I don't see anything wrong with it. I really don't. I, I think it's there, the job retention scheme, to to keep these places going to, to keep them functioning, to, to put them in hibernation. That was the phrase we used earlier on in the show. And it makes sense. Look, we're all suffering at the moment. We're, we're probably all, all of us on this show. We're all, we're all suffering wage cuts compared to normal. It's just the situation. We have to take it on the chin. And, and, and yeah, I think that, that footballers lower down the pyramid will be happy. I think to, to take it in the short term, to preserve the club's, that they represent and the same goes for the staff members too. So yeah, I think I think clubs in League 1 and League 2 it makes absolute sense. I think for the wealthier clubs, I mean certainly clubs in the Premier League, it, it doesn't ring true. What Spurs have done taking the government cash feels feels wholly wrong. But but for a lot of the clubs across the EFL, it's the right course of action for now. League 1 done and dusted. Off to League 2 next. 
If you have kids who are home now that the schools are closed, check out the Stuck at Home podcast from Fun Kids Radio. Stuck at Home is full of interesting and fun things for your kids to do, and a new episode comes out every single day. It features interviews, stories, educational elements to keep your kids occupied, and is hosted by some of Fun Kids' favourite presenters. Stuck at Home, free to download wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker. At the Totally Show then, for anything you want to say, Sam Parkin, Adrian Clark still here with me, Caroline Barker. Into League Two then, and Cambridge United will be putting most of their staff on furlough. They've now decided to sell some season tickets too for next season. Northampton furloughed their staff too, but will be topping up their salaries to 100%. Mansfield's CJ Hamilton has signed up to be an NHS volunteer. There's loads of actually um, part-time staff at clubs that that have done that and it's good to see some of the players doing that too and like many eight nor are offering nhs staff 100 tickets every home game next season so if you remember the nhs you can get a ticket one of those 100 tickets for next season now last week we heard a clip of the online classes being put up by our next guest every day is a leg day for leon leg port vale and known on his twitter as the epilepsy baller so, Leon, last week on the show, we played a little clip of your your home workouts. How are they going? Uh, not too bad, obviously. Um, with the in, with the current climate at the moment, um, us footballers need to try and do something a little bit different, I suppose, because we, we we're not in training at the moment, so everyone's sort of working from home. And at the time, I was asked to do something for for Port Vale, and just decided to do a, a, a bit of a home workout, really. So it was it was something different than part of the time, and it got quite a good feedback from it. Oh, well, I don't know how you, you do the workout and talk. I could barely do the workout, let alone <laughs> any breath out. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough. Is that is that important for not just physical fitness, but mental fitness as well, that you keep doing something? Uh, definitely. I mean, obviously, when you come out of a routine, it's trying to fill that void, really. And mentally, definitely, for anyone that's out of work at the moment and uh, stuck at home and trying to find something to do, I think... Fitness can be something very positive. Leon, I just wanted to speak to you about the, the on-field stuff this season. I mean, I know it's not ideal for, for anyone at the moment. Um, far bigger things going on in, in the world, but I've been really impressed with your season. I remember going to a game last season. There was a real dark cloud, I felt, hanging over the, the, the club. You've obviously got new owners now, and I know players say that the board level stuff doesn't really affect them, but has there been a really positive shift and can you give us some examples of the changes I suppose well obviously like you, you touched on the point there where last season was it was a bit of a dark mood around the, the club you had protests going on from the, the last owner and it does have an effect I suppose on the in the in the changing room um, and then when the, the owner did come out and say that he was going to put the club into administration and things like that everyone's sort of worrying about the future and didn't know what the future holds really Um but then Carol and Kevin came in and from day one, it, everything was positive. They've come in with a come and told us what they were going to do with the club and what their vision was. And everything's just sort of gone on from there, really. And like you say, the, the season that we were having was was a, a very, very good season. Um, I don't think anyone expected us to be where we where we are. And um just a shame at the moment I just stopped because we really was getting into some good momentum and wanted to finish the season on the high has John Askey been in in touch personally with you yeah yeah and um the assistant manager Dave Kevin um they've we're in uh, constant contact we have a whatsapp group for the, the staff and players and just sort of trying to keep us up to date as much as possible with the situation at the moment and um he just Checking up on people, making sure everyone's fine and families well and safe, and that's the most important thing really at the moment. Um, sort of football comes second, I suppose, and um, yeah, just making sure everyone everyone's in a good place at the moment and try and keep us up to date with as much as information as we can. Absolutely, and and for you, obviously, you've got this other other Twitter handle as the epilepsy baller too. Yeah, with regards to your epilepsy. Is there anything extra that you're having to do at the moment? Is it all under control? How how are you? Yeah, everything's everything's fine. Obviously, with um, one of my triggers uh, for seizures, uh, like low immune system. So if I was to catch 
this virus at the moment, I wouldn't. Uh, I'd be under extreme. I'd, yeah, I, it, it wouldn't be good. So uh, for my yeah, so I have to sort of be wary, I suppose. I've been out of the house a few times to to do shopping and that, but staying clear of everyone and um, <laughs> just being very careful. And yeah, I mean, just to get out of the house at the moment, just to go shopping, is it's just something just to get some fresh air, I suppose. I just, I just have to be careful and sort of dodge everyone that comes near us. And I've even got hand sanitizer attached to my key ring, so I'm always prepared. Well, wise, absolutely wise. But <laughs> Leon, maybe I could bring Adrian and Sam you into into this too. For, for me, you know, easier said than done. Staying at home, going out and doing a bit of gardening and things. But I'm I'm not the professional athletes that all three of you have have been. That being cooped up, Adrian, how tough is it if you can't go out? Like Leon says, and just have that fresh air. Well, yeah, very difficult. (laughs) Your purpose in life, really, obviously, you you have other purposes in life, particularly if you've got families. But but everything revolves around football and being a professional footballer and the routines, I guess, Leon. And I know footballers are a little bit OCD, uh, or the vast majority are. When 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 those routines are disrupted, you can feel a little bit lost. It might it must be really tough for you, and 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 also just referencing there your epilepsy it must be a scary time for you as well you've got to be super careful haven't you yeah like you say with the routine stuff i mean with me my routine was get up in the morning have breakfast take the kids to school straight to training and then a few hours training come back and then school running again go and get the kids now for me at the moment everything's been taken away and it's literally i'm getting up and then there's just just nothing uh i'm doing like fitness a bit of fitness in the morning get the kids up and eating breakfast with them and then literally the rest of the day there is just there is just nothing um maybe go out and do a bit of shopping but once that whole routine is gone i'm just trying to i'm trying to find little things to do just to pass the time really um and with the epilepsy i I suppose it gives me something else to focus on so i'm trying new things like youtube and i'll be probably writing another uh, blog post today i'm just trying to find little ideas really just to just to fill uh mm. the, the the gap really have these football challenges on the internet helped you with the players keep up that camaraderie it looks like you've really enjoyed them and and tom pope uh we we're probably to expect that was uh good fun in his little <laughs> heading challenge yesterday i think it was although I, I couldn't really understand the language he was speaking i'm glad that you've kept your your southern twang because there's a real distinct accent up there and uh I've never heard heading a, a ball against a wall referred to as cost Ed a bow again. Oh, well, I think uh, I, 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 to be fair, I, I didn't understand it either, to be honest, so <laughs> you're not the only one. <laughs> um, yeah, I suppose it is, um, each day I suppose there's a new new challenge and I think not just from players, it's from fans as well. I've seen on, on Twitter a lot of um, fans sort of putting in different things uh, and getting players involved and, yeah, I suppose that's sort of in within the football community. I suppose that's, that's keeping everyone ticked over while there's that that void of no football. And I've seen a lot of things like uh, old matches come up from from different clubs, and everyone's missing. Everyone's missing football. Mm. The fans, the, the the clubs, the players, and everyone's just trying to put in little bits of old matches and things like that, just to try and keep that 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 football void. I suppose and. Um, yeah, it's, it's a massive loss, but I suppose you just have to. I suppose you've just got to be patient and just wait and see what happens. Stay safe. Keep staying safe. If and, people uh, want to find out more and, and read your your blog, but also watch some of your your videos too that you're putting up online, how's the best way for people to follow you? So the um, epilepsy baller blog is epilepsyballer.wordpress.com, and YouTube just type in epilepsy baller and it should come up. Um, and hopefully be putting up uh, some more videos very soon. Brilliant insight, Leon. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you very much. Port Vale's Leon Leg, uh, the epilepsy baller as well. Hearing that insight, um, Adrian, into just just what's going And I say that, you know, I can sit here and I can go and do gardening or I can get, not very good at it, but I can get that fresh air. But that kind of feeling of everything changing instantly. I know we're all doing that together, but... These are finely tuned athletes who are used to that, that putting their bodies through it as well. Yeah, no, and I think you brought up a good point in terms of, of the mental health of all these guys. Hopefully, 
all these WhatsApp groups will will stay busy and stay active, and and maybe some of the the, the staff members, particularly for those that have maybe suffered with mental health in the past, hopefully they'll be they'll be making sure they're checking in on, re- on a regular basis because it, it can be very easy, can't it, for for footballers, but also for for all of us to get down and to and to feel a little bit of despair at the moment. So so yeah, hopefully that football spirit will, will just get everybody through it. But yeah, tough for everyone right now. And it's those ones, Sam, isn't it, that just don't normally talk. It's it's all well, There'll always be those ones that will be on every WhatsApp group and always talking and always taking part. But it's actually how you get to those ones that, that don't take part in that. Yeah, well, there's been a huge shift in, in football the, the last couple of years. And it's a lot more accepted to say that you're struggling now and you both make really great points. Uh, it's a tough time. It's a tough time for everyone, no matter who you are at the moment. But the first thing I recognised when I finished playing was that I had to get out and do some exercise every day. Otherwise, things got tricky very quickly for me. And, and some of these uh, athletes will be experiencing that now. So they just have to continue to go out and uh, have those endorphins rush and and feel good for at least a portion of the day. But, you know, we could probably say that across the nation right now. And that's why Joe Wicks and um, the Port Vale football lads doing interactive stuff on the, the internet is so beneficial to so many people. And I can only encourage it further and, and plead with everyone to keep going. Even if Joe Wicks has actually ruined your hammies, doesn't he, Adrian? <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, There's a title I'm, for the I'm, podcast. I'm, I'm on it every single uh, day, pretty much. So, uh, yeah, it, and it is making me feel better. It really is. Because the lethargy can quickly set in, can't it? Physically and, and mentally. And that little workout with the kids sort of trying to join in around me. I mean, they're only three and two. Um, but, yeah, but by the end of the session, I'm about the only one still left doing it. But, but yeah, it, it helps me and it will help, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, make millions around the world. So, um, yeah, those kind of things, superb. And it's good to see Leon getting involved as well. Thank you both. Uh, That was another rip-roaring adventure through the EFL. It will not surprise you that in the time that we've been recording this, uh, Sunderland Till I Die and Charlie Methan's gone to number one trending, at least in my area. Uh, Good entertainment, that. It's out now on Netflix. And also check out Leon Legg's Epilepsy Baller blog. Adrian, thank you. No worries. Sam and Sydney, who was perfectly quiet throughout all of that, thank you. Well done, Louise. Thank you very much. Now, good speaking to you guys. I'll get back to my duties now. Do, do. Stay safe, everyone. Wash your hands. Look after each other. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter. And make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com. of the Totally Scottish Football Show and if you like football you're gonna love Scottish football it's not all just Stevie G and Scott Brown up here no because we talk about all of the Scottish football and geez oh it's great there's actually a title race this year in the Premiership Stevie G will be hoping not to slip up again Hearts are tearing each other a new one Motherwell are doing well Well, they're doing well. So, if you like your football to be competitive, have a title race and a ton of drama off and on the pitch, the Totally Scottish Football Show is most definitely for you. Grab Scottish football by the boys, just like Ryan Christie did, and listen to the Totally Scottish Football Show, available everywhere, even in England. Muddy News Media.